Welcome to Silent Symptoms, a Black mental health podcast. I am your host, Kataso Fridge, a Florida-based therapist. This podcast focuses on mental health, stigmas, and social injustices that affect the Black community. This podcast was created to bring awareness about mental health and can be used as an educational guide, but this is not to be used as a replacement for seeking help from a therapist. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, welcome to Silent Symptoms, a Black mental health podcast. So today on the pod, we're going to be talking about colorism in the Black community. So colorism stems from slavery and where darker individuals were asked to work outside and light-skinned individuals were asked to work inside. And most of the time, you know, they were having sex with women and they were producing babies which in turn made them lighter skinned and most of the slave masters didn't want their children to be picking cotton and going out in the fields so why not create a racial divide within the race basically and make the dark-skinned people work outside and the light-skinned people work inside because they were viewed as desirable Before that, colorism didn't really have a definition, but Alice Walker in 1982 came in and coined it and gave this phenomenon a name to it because we didn't really have a clear understanding of what it was. What she defined it as prejudicial or preferential treatment of same race people based solely on color. The most important thing right there is same race. So this is not like racism. We're within the same race and pushing the agenda of light skin versus dark skin. Not cool. So basically, what is it? So when you really look at history, colorism really does pit black people against each other. If you look at previous um, dramas, TV shows, commercials, They always portray dark-skinned women as ghetto, loud, less educated, or undesirable. I don't even know for what. Because your skin is darker, they felt like, well, this is the perception we're going to continue to portray on you. Because even after slavery, this continued to be a thing, which is like mind-blowing. But if you look at Pam and Gina from Martin, Gina was looked at as pristine and vulnerable, while Pam was seen as over-opinionated and ghetto. These are portrayed by writers. So even then, even when we've moved past slavery, we continue to perpetuate this negative construct of darker skinned women. And when we look at social media, we always see people saying dark skin versus light skin. And comments are made by individuals wanting to be with light skinned women and long hair. And it's also perceived like black women or darker skinned women can't get that and because when you really look at history we always have this perception of eurocentricism so you know european came in and told us that you know having long hair and having it straight and having fairer skin is much better so that really continued to push the agenda. That's why we, we started to see more black women wearing weaves starting to get their hair relaxed And then when you look at Africa and then the Caribbean, those people started the phenomenon of skin bleaching. Because if you're a dark-skinned woman, you're not really valued. They don't value us like dark-skinned women. 
I'm not light skinned, by the way. I don't know why I said that. But dark skinned women. And I remember even growing up because I was born and raised in South Africa. There were times where I had lighter skinned cousins who felt like, you know, they were better because of the perception of what other people, you know, put towards them basically saying they were better than me because I was a little lighter and some of the jokes that were used oh God must have not cared about you because he left you in the oven to bake much longer than us things of that sort which can really get in your head and create this negative construct of having you know dark skin and at the time obviously it did affect me because I'm like dang why did I have to be dark And, you know, growing up as a kid, you don't know any better. And I remember, I don't know, like a lot of people here in America, you don't have peg lines when you actually go outside and hang up your clothes. So we used to have pegs and I always wanted like a European nose, like straight nose instead of having a round button nose. Like that was a thing. Like I would walk around the house with a peg on my nose and I would tell my family, oh, I'm going to have a nice nose when I continue to do this. And at the time, for me, it made sense. Everybody around me was laughing. I mean, my family members thought it was a cute joke, but little did they know that I was actually perpetuating what I thought was beauty and having this type of nose is not that great. Even growing up and becoming an adult, like I had to come into this thought process of saying, um, having a round button nose doesn't necessarily mean that you're ugly. It shouldn't be that. And having a pointy nose doesn't necessarily make you beautiful. You know what I mean? So I had to actually get myself to stop thinking like that because of my nose. As far as the, the, the color of my skin, I got out of that real quick because I had to realize that melanin is beautiful. Like I can't get this anywhere else. This cannot be bought. People can tan all they want, but they will never be able to get this melanin. So I had to re- literally train my mind not to think like that. And I'm glad as a child, that was a A short problem, not necessarily long, but the nose part, me trying to be European, quote unquote, or have European features because they really thought that that was beautiful. And as far as my hair, having coily hair wasn't necessarily the best looking thing. And I got my hair relaxed at three years old, which is not my fault. But then you really want to think about like where we were back then having to relax your hair so your child's hair is considered more manageable. And that It's not even a good thing because why would you relax a child's hair at three years old? But then again, you know, the media kind of portrays what it wants you to do with your child. And you may be influenced or you feel like it's easier to manage when you don't have to comb out the coils every day versus like, you know, combing out your child's hair and the comb goes straight through. So when you look at that, even in, you know, the Caribbean and in Africa, like your black is literally beautiful. Before slavery, being dark-skinned was an honor. So nobody else could have your skin but you. We were proud of that. And we were always, you know, thinking about ways to continue the melanin agenda. But we ran into slavery. And now we were looked at as, dang, like, your skin is not desirable. Like, why can't you be a little bit lighter? Why are you continuing to embrace your dark skin? So they came skin bleaching. You see that a lot in Northern Africa and, you know, East Africa, all of this bleaching that's causing people to have cancer, you know, skin diseases, because we want to continue to perpetuate being 
light skin. And even in the Caribbean, some of the most beautiful people, Africa and the Caribbean have, you know, have this rich skin tone that we're trying to ruin with bleaching. You know, at some point, you know, skin bleaching wasn't a thing because we embraced every single shade that we had, whether it was light skin, dark skin, whatever. We don't have to worry about that. Now, companies were coming in to try to help black people who are dark have a lighter skin and then we're actually buying into this market and pushing their gender why are we doing that we're continuing to allow the things that happened to us created by the slave master and this is continuing to happen in 2019 so you know we took something you know it was an honor to to be projected as beautiful you know Egyptian women they are not white they're actually black women so you know the skin bleaching companies are making billions of dollars because we are not comfortable in our skin and the thing is you know this perception of colorism is not just in the black community it's in the asian community and latinx community if you look at bollywood they only use a certain range of individuals who are in the more lighter skin range and you know bollywood has been working really hard or individuals who are not in bollywood have been really working hard to try to incorporate the darker women who are in india because for a long time, those women were were hidden in the background. They weren't allowed to work on set. They weren't allowed to have the main character. Even in Asian communities, if you watch Crazy Rich Asians, that is the opportunity of a lifetime. A lot of Asian people are actually coming out there and showing that, you know, they are a wide variety of Asians. They do have riches. They are so beautiful. You know, colorism is you know affects individuals of different skin tones especially different cultures as well culturally we're supposed to embrace our natural hair we're supposed to embrace our coils we're supposed to you know embrace having lighter skin and then embracing having darker skin but we've had a really hard time continuing to embrace it I don't know what the problem is we're having a really hard time trying to embrace that and now obviously we're in a time of natural hair we're really liking our natural hair we're wearing it and a lot of people may say that this is a natural moment or this movement it is not a movement it is the essence of who we are I mean even now in New York, they just passed a bill to where it's illegal to discriminate on black people based on their hair. Come on now. We are in 2019 and we're still having to pass bills to actually wear the hair that actually comes out of our heads. This is getting ridiculous. And, you know, there are laws that say it's okay for, you know, individuals to discriminate against you because of your dreadlocks. Oh, how your hair is worn and you know there are schools who are continuing to say you know black women black girls or black boys who have long hair can't have it in bonds because it's distracting it's getting in the way of you know other students 
I mean, come on now. So what are we supposed to do with our hair? Are we supposed to braid it down? What are we supposed to do? And there were some schools who actually banned black kids from having braids in school. How about that? So you guys don't want us to wear our hair out. It's too distracting. And then on top of that, you guys are saying that we can't have our hair in braids. So what are we supposed to do? Relax our hair? Flat iron our hair? So that we could fit into the Eurocentric standard of what beauty is? I'm hoping we can get away from that agenda. I mean, we shouldn't even be having this conversation for we've had slavery on now. Like there's so many changes that have happened where we're still trying to fight to be black. And I feel like it's getting ridiculous. And, you know, lighter skin in America is viewed as desirable. Like before the um, millennial century, like people were actually advertising in newspapers to get jobs and they would put in the description that they're light skin. So, you know, white employers who actually had the negative perception on dark skin people would hire them. So that's how they expedited the process of getting jobs. They would put on their light skin, that they're, they're a nice individual, they're not harmful, things like that were a thing which is kind of ridiculous that we even had to do that in order for us to get jobs now how can we continue to you know debunk this myth so number one let's talk about how it affects mental health because you know having to constantly act like the good black person is getting tiring like some jobs expect you to be prim and proper i did an episode on the angry black woman syndrome about the negative perceptions of what black people are so especially black women and black men so black men like if they are dark-skinned they're more likely to get uh, longer sentences because they're viewed as threatening if you're light-skinned you're at an advantage because you're not viewed as dangerous, right? And then if you're a lighter black woman, if you express yourself, you're not seen as aggressive or angry. Dark-skinned women are viewed as angry. And, you know, like some men have this thing, even, I'm, I'm going to say this, even, you know, women and other people of different races say, oh, you're so pretty for a dark-skinned girl. That is not a compliment, if you've ever said that to anyone, please stop right now because you're, you're saying you're beautiful, but for you to be dark skin, come on now. When has dark skin ever been not beautiful? We're continuing to help the agenda of these negative stereotypes about what black skin is. So we need to realize what we're doing. This could actually affect a person's self-esteem and mental health. Because if you're, if you're taken up, like if you're looking for a movie role and they say light skin and the light skin person is viewed more vulnerable, more nice. And then you, you look at the, the, the black roles that they advertise, they say loud over the top black woman or black man. Why is that? So that actually affects somebody's, um, how they view themselves, their personal construct and self-concept. You know, like dark-skinned individuals don't get the best. They get the short end of the stick with everything. And what we can do is continue to have these conversations to 
debunk the dark skin versus light skin phenomenon because we're continuing to push it ourselves. Now the white man or the white woman don't have to do it first. We're doing it within our own community. So if we continue to do this, we're not really helping. We're saying that, okay, colorism does exist. And we can't blame light-skinned people for using that to their advantage. What's wrong with that? Just like we have white privilege. White privilege is prevalent. So why not use that to your advantage? And we can't really blame them. But then if we continue to say, oh, the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But then again, we're saying that darker skin is better, even though that's not really the perception. But that's how we're, we can make the distinction between the two. Also, we need to do some introspection of how we're continuing to, you know, feed into the negative mindset. Okay, if you're a dark skinned man. And then you're saying, oh, I only date light-skinned women because light-skinned women are more vulnerable. They're not loud. They're quiet. And plus, my kid will come out a little lighter than me. Well, that is kind of problematic. There's nothing wrong with having a preference because there are some black women who say, okay, I'm only going to date dark-skinned men or I'm only going to date white, light-skinned women, white men, white women or whatever your preference is. But then you can do it without having to put the other down. You can't say, oh, black is better because, you know, black people have a mandingo and white people don't have a mandingo. You know what I'm saying? Those are just negative stereotypes that we're pushing. So if you have a preference, make sure it's not negative or it's putting down the other. Because really, we aren't helping ourselves here. We're continuing to create that divide that we don't want. And you can also embrace your blackness and realize that black is magic, black girl magic, you know, black boy joy, because for such a long time, we were in this state of having to hate who we really were. And we have to act all European. That's not the essence of who we are. Black is magic. Melanated black people are amazing. And melanin doesn't mean dark skin. Melanin means like from light to dark we're all included within that because we have to be able to embrace our blackness because we were so ashamed for so long and we have to continue to have conversations about colorism because when you have those conversations about colorism you're creating education for others and also breaking down those negative stereotypes because you could be teaching somebody something they didn't know about colorism some people may say it's a preference but sometimes you have to realize preference may be colorism you're not dating someone for all the right reasons and also you're bleaching your skin why are you bleaching your skin so opening those conversations to different individuals can really help create that open dialogue and you know creating that space for blackness to be okay no matter what tone you are so i hope that you guys enjoyed the podcast and give me back feedback about what you think about colorism in the black community and this is a worldwide thing too so even without black people we're talking about you know our brown skin people as well so i hope you enjoyed the podcast and tune in to our next one Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. You can catch us on Anchor and all your favorite media streams. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Silent Symptoms Podcast. Let us know if you have any feedback or topics that you would like to hear.